Okay. So the person we're talking about is Jehoash. And Jehoash is the son of Jehoahaz. <laughs> Jehoash was Israel for 16 years. And at this time, Elijah is Elisha, not Elijah. Elisha is the prophet who's about to die. Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz's father, had left behind a very small army for them. There were, the Bible says that there were almost no chariots and that the, there was very few men because Israel had been defeated by Hesel, say that, um, so many times. So after they had been defeated, Jehoahaz, the father, prayed to God, and God saw how the Israelites had been treated, and he saved them by sending them a good leader to rule over Israel, and then they went to a time of peace. And that's when Jehoash is here, okay? So we're going to be reading... 2 Kings, verse 13, 14 through 19. I'll give you some commentary along the way because it's a little. Um, verse 14 says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. So he hasn't died yet. It's just saying he's going to die from this sickness. Very old and sick. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horse and thereof, this is right here. He's saying, what am I going to do without your leading? There's no chariots, there's no horses, and there's no men. Because our army is so small. And Elisha said unto him, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon, upon it. And Elisha said, put his hands upon the king's hand. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot, shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. From thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite the ground. And he smote the ground thrice and then stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him. He was very angry. <laughs> he was very angry, and he said, Thou shouldest have smitten the ground five or six times, then thou then hadst thou smitten Syria, till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria Syria but thrice. So what he's saying is, I told you to smote the ground until you won, but you only smote the ground three times. So now you're only going to have victory over Syria three times, and you're not going to demolish them as it was God's will. What Elijah was doing right here is he was doing a parallel, and Elijah was telling Joash, if you smite the ground until one, then you'll demolish Syria. You'll have dominion over them. You'll take them out completely. But you didn't. You stopped. You stopped it three times, and so now you're only going to have victory three times, but they're still going to come back, and they're still going to fight you, and you might not win then. And verse 25 says, And Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, took again out of the hand of Ben-Hadon, the son of Hazael, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Three times did Joash beat him and recovered the cities of Israel. So my title is, the victory that took more than three times. There are going to be times in your life when you pray for the same thing repeatedly. 
And that does not wicked. It doesn't make you faithless or unworthy. First Peter 3 verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Does it say that God will always answer our prayers? It doesn't. It says that he will hear them. He honors the prayers of the righteous and he hears them. But maybe in this time, God won't receive the most glory that he could for a thing you're asking to come to pass. Or maybe it's not in God's will yet. The devil will try to manipulate the word in your mind, though. He'll try to say things, put things in your mind and your heart. He'll say, well, the Lord answers the righteous prayers. Maybe you're evil. He must not listen to you or God's not, God doesn't want to answer your prayers. But the Bible makes it very clear that we are called to wait. In Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There are things that you might experience victory from, maybe even repeatedly, and it still comes back. And there is nothing wrong with you because of that. That's part of being human. You might experience liberation from depression three times, and then it comes back again. And you are not broken. You are not less than someone else that doesn't struggle with something like that. We've talked before about how the devil is going to or is going to try to attack you in the areas that you're weakest. If you're someone that's never struggled with even smoking cigarettes, heard someone use this um, this example over the platform. If you're someone that's never even smoked cigarettes before, he's not going to tempt you with meth, okay? Because he's not dumb. And if you are experiencing weakness in your mind or you're having certain areas of temptation that you're dealing with, Sometimes you might experience liberation from them, but because we fall weak to the flesh, that's where the devil's going to attack you most afterwards. And that's why we have to cover ourselves in prayer and we have to cover our minds in prayer. But sometimes it takes multiple breakthroughs to experience dominion over those things. And God and the Word makes it very clear that we should keep praying, that we should never give up, and that even when you experience liberation, you should cover yourself in prayer. You are not a sinner because you have weaknesses in your mind. You are not unworthy because you experience temptation or because you make mistakes. That's what a spirit of repentance is for. A spirit of repentance isn't just only the act of repenting every day, but it's a mindset that we are willing to constantly change and constantly be on the potter's wheel. It's a mindset where we're always trying to be more like him, less of us. And another thing on that note is you should never feel guilty for changing. People in the world, they have this idea sometimes that once you've lived a certain way, that you can't be good afterwards. Like, I've had people tell me, they're like, well, you've already drinking alcohol, so what's the point in stopping now? That is not true. You, that's what the blood is for. The blood is able to cover us and make us new again. You should never let anyone allow you to feel guilty for wanting to be better or wanting to be different than you were before. You're not a bad person because you made mistakes and then decided to change your, your path. People will call you a hypocrite. They'll say, well, you used to do that and now you're against it. No, I've grown. That's what happened. I grew and I changed and that's okay to be different. Prayer, you have to keep praying until the victory comes over and over again. And you 
you pray until that pray until that family member comes. And don't just pray two times and decide that it's not God's will. I'll tell you what God's will is. It's God's will that none would perish and that all would and would all would come to repentance. And so you have to keep pushing. You have to keep going in these prayers. And even when it get, we feel defeated, remember that in that time of waiting, we need to be encouraged in our hearts. We need to not grow cold or content or weary. Instead, we need to be proactive. Elijah said if you would have just hit the ground five or six times, you would have crushed them for good. But you only prayed, you only hit the ground three times. Our parallels, you only prayed three times. Keep going and you could experience that victory. Elijah said, but you wouldn't have dominion over Samaria. They'll come back. But you could have dominion if you prayed a little more and didn't give up. Don't be like Esau. Esau is another king in 2 Chronicles verse, chapter 15, verse 17. And is that one up there yet? It says, but the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Esau was perfect in all his days. So if you've read Kings or Chronicles or any of this area of the Bible before, you'll understand that sometimes kings only get a couple verses of explanation. They'll say a king's name in the line of history. They'll say if he's good or bad. And usually they'll say he's good or bad based on the fact if they tore down the high places or not. The high places were the places of worship that the wicked people, Gentiles at the time, I think, would build up to worship idols. And if you were a good king, and you were in God's word, and you wanted to advocate for the Lord and his ways, you would come and you'd tear down the high places. And if you were bad, you didn't do that. And I could be wrong, but this is the first place that I've noticed personally where a king his heart is described as perfect, although he didn't tear down the high places. And so I was reading this text a little bit more. I went over it a few more times, and I learned that when Esau was in reign, he was so convicted that the Lord that the Lord's people should be that should turn towards him that he made everybody in the nation make a vow before God that they would be committed to God fully in their hearts and in their minds. And if they broke that vow, they would be put to death. He made all women then children make this vow. And it says that God and that Esau made that vow as well, and he had it in his heart, and he loved God with all his heart, but he left the high places up. And I was a little confused about that because the Bible makes it clear if you leave the high places up, right, you're bad. Well, this scripture really spoke to me because it made me realize that people can love God with all of their heart, and still be burdened by things because they refuse to tear them down. There are some things that won't affect our walk with God. There are some things that or will affect our walk with God less than others. There are some things that it seems like they, it won't affect how we live for God. You'll still read your Bible. You'll still pray. But you still might be burdened by things like anxiety or depression or bitterness or a bad attitude in your heart. And the thing is, is that it's not God's desire that we would live that way, although it's very possible that we can. And it, it's very clear here that his heart was perfect. He loved God, but he didn't go back and he didn't tear down the high places, you know. And I think sometimes we live in a way that 
you know, that's just not good enough for me. I don't want to love God with all my heart and still be burdened. I don't want to love God with all my heart and be committed to God and still struggle with things that I've struggled for 10 years. I want to be proactive in my faith. I want, you know, to go out and tear down those highest places. And... The Bible says that when you struggle with fear, that you are a slave to it. And in psychology, we actually learn that people can learn things like anxiety as coping skills. We'll be a grandma and a mom and a daughter, so on and so forth, that everybody struggles with anxiety because they learn how to behave that way and use it as a coping skill for their problems or their struggles. And I just feel like, you know, there are things that maybe anxiety doesn't keep from reading the Bible, but it's still not God's desire that we would live like that. And for me, I want to have a proactive faith where I come against those things. I come against those high places, and I pray until I experience victory. I don't want to just experience victory once or twice at the altar, and I feel good that day, and then I get back home, and that night I'm struggling again. I want to pray until I have dominion over those things. And that's what the original text is talking about. It's saying that don't just Pray until it's gone now. Pray until it's gone forever. <laughs> Keep praying until the breakthrough is going to pass these doors and pass your home. And not only will you be able to experience the victory for you and your heart, but you'll be able to experience that people will be able to see that you're different, and you'll be able to use that as a testimony for the people that are around you. Let's put a time. I don't want to love God and be burdened by the things of this world. We have to have a proactive faith where we're willing to pray and sacrifice however long it takes for us and for the people around us to experience victory, however many times and however long it takes. And through the Holy Ghost, we have the victory. You just have to keep going. And sometimes it's going to take more than three times. And that's okay, because sometimes God calls us to be in that waiting period. But we need to pray and do as all we feel nece- all the Lord feels necessary to experience that.